everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Good morning, church, and every place that we're gathered together to worship today, I encourage you to open your scriptures to John chapter 3. I'm going to start at verse 10. And as we open the word of the Lord, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word never fails to accomplish that for which you have sent it out. And so we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts to receive your word as you speak to us words of grace and of truth today. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. At John 3, and we're starting at verse 10, we're entering right into the middle of a conversation Jesus is having with a man named Nicodemus. Verse 10. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is God's word. The Bible top five, love wins for all. We're looking at famous verses, the most clicked, most searched, most shared, probably the most tattooed, the Bible top five, the top verses. When people go looking in the scriptures, what are they looking for? When people go searching, what are they searching for? And these these verses, the most popular, are also the most popularly misunderstood. And sometimes it's the misunderstanding that makes them popular when the true meaning is so much better than the misunderstanding. Well, today we look at John 3.16. Is there any more popular verse than John 3.16? I think this is the first verse that I tried to memorize when I was a new believer. If I asked you what's the most popular verse in the Bible, I bet a lot of you would say John 3.16. It summarizes the gospel in one sentence. For God so loved the world. Friends, would you just say this with me wherever you are? John 3.16. Let's say this together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3, 16. For God so loved. Love. Love is God's motivation. Love is what moves God. Love is what sends Jesus into the world. Love is what saves us from death. Love. Does that mean that that love wins for all? Does that mean that, that God's love is so great that no one will ever wind up being separated from God? So even John 3.16 can be misunderstood. In 2011, a very popular pastor, preacher, author named Rob Bell published a book called Love Wins. And, and the followers of Rob Bell, all of his, his, uh, his fans and, and his, his church, we were all surprised to see that, that he was willing in that book, having spent his whole life building up the church on the notion that, that Jesus Christ is necessary for salvation. We were all surprised, shocked actually, to see that Rob Bell was, was willing to say in that book, that love wins for all in the end. In other words, that um, from his point of view, there's no hell, there's no eternal damnation, there's no threat of eternal separation from God. As Rob Bell put it, he said, would a loving God send people to eternal torment forever? I understand the impulse. I mean, I, I, I sympathize with the desire to kind of rescue God from a potentially reputation-damaging position. But that is John 3.16 misunderstood. When the true meaning is so much better than the misunderstanding. Love wins. That's true. Love wins, but love is victorious in Jesus Christ. That's where the win is. That's where the victory is. It's in Jesus Christ and what he has done to save us. And and that victory can be your victory if you are willing to be in Jesus Christ by faith, by opening your heart and believing in him. That victory can be yours. Or or it can remain a distant, irrelevant fact. As you dismiss what Christ has done, as you say, in effect, no to what God has done by His grace in His Son, Jesus, and you, and you prefer... You prefer your own self-determined life. You prefer to turn away from God and choose your own You prefer to be your own God rather than to recognize Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Well, then you remain outside of His grace. I don't know everything about what eternal separation from God looks like, but I I know what's in the Scriptures. Hell is real. 
An eternal separation from God is a very real threat and a very real thing. I tend to lean with those like uh, Tim Keller, C.S. Lewis, who say, I have confidence that, that every soul that, it, that is in hell is there of their own choosing. They, at some point, they chose to be apart from God, to, to say no to God. As C.S. Lewis famously said, the gates of hell are closed from the inside as they, as they bar themselves from the presence of God. That's hell. That's hell. Where is your heart today? Are the gates closed against God? Listen to me. That can become an eternal state. Open the gates. Now. That's what Jesus was explaining to a man named Nicodemus that night in John chapter 3. Quick aside here. Uh, hey, if uh, this is a little in-sermon um, product placement, I guess. If you have not taken the time to, to watch the series, the Bible series called The Chosen, uh, take some time to figure out how to download and watch that thing. I'm telling you, it's worth the effort I cried at every single episode. I'm not kidding. And the, and the, the episode where, where Nicodemus comes to see Jesus in the middle of the night. Wow. It is worth your time. It's worth your time. Okay. Back to regularly scheduled program. Sermon. John 3. John 3. Nicodemus has snuck out at night to talk to Jesus. Now, why has he done that? Well, because he's a religious leader. He's a part of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leadership council that's been, that's been tracking Jesus as this unwelcome disruptor of the people, an unwelcome disturbance. He can't be seen hanging out with Jesus of Nazareth, but he's seen enough of Jesus to be curious, and so he asks Jesus to meet him in the dark, in the middle of the night. Listen to me now. Jesus Christ will meet you wherever you are. You call the meeting. You name the time. You open your heart. And Jesus, he's right there. He's right there. And Jesus has been explaining to Nicodemus that he must be born again of the Spirit of God. The old life has to die and new life comes. And the heart changes. And there's, there's death to the life of death. And there's a beginning to a new life in Jesus. It's not a new idea. The prophets have been talking about it all along, but somehow Nicodemus missed it. And so Jesus says at verse 10, you're Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And don't you understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. We testify to what we've seen. And you people still don't accept our testimony. We're just talking to things about the stuff that we've seen together, and you don't believe it. How are you going to believe it if I tell you about earthly, about heavenly things? Jesus wants Nicodemus to understand. He wants him to get it. He wants him to see. Jesus wants you to understand. He wants you to get it. He wants you to see heavenly things, how it is with God, what it is to be in God's winning love. Verse 13 
No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Listen, you don't ascend into heavenly places through education or personal development or philosophical research, okay? No one ever has, no one ever will. The only one, the one who can tell you what's up is the one who came down. Are you with me? The only one who can tell you what is up is the one, Jesus Christ, who came down. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, listen, you don't receive God and knowledge of God by personal development. You receive it by revelation. Will you allow God to show you who he is? Or are you going to come to God with a list of demands of who God needs to be to satisfy your desires? God wants to show you who he is. Next, Jesus points Nicodemus right back into the history of of the people of God and Moses. Verse 14, he says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. That's a strange thing to say, isn't it? But see, there's a story of the people of God. Back in Numbers 21, Nicodemus knew it very well. The people, they, see, they had cursed God. Even though they, God had rescued them out of Egypt, they cursed God. And to curse God is to be cursed. It creates a rupture, a divorce. And to, to say no to the author of life is to enter into the experience of death. And in their curse, they were beset with these venomous snakes that were biting the people of God, poisoning the people of God. And so Moses prayed and God said to Moses, Moses, make a snake on a, on a pole, put it on a pole. And when the people look, they'll be healed. God, he provided a way of cure, a way of salvation, a way of, of life. Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, that's me. I'll be lifted up. And I'll be hanging on a pole. Look to me. Believe in me. All who do, all who turn their eyes, all who turn their heart to me, they'll live. But the poison is already in your blood. The darkness has already set in. And all who turn away, they are dead already. And then comes John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him, whoever turns to him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. You're saying God gave his son like Moses put a snake on a pole? Yes. You're saying that Jesus was sent by God to die? Yes. That's the mission of Jesus. That's the point of the whole thing. God so loved the world that he sent his son from incarnation, born of a virgin Mary on Christmas Day, all the way through life to the horror of Good Friday and crucifixion, to the empty grave and eternal life for all who would follow into heaven in his name. This is the point of the whole thing. Jesus didn't just 
come, Jesus was sent. And Jesus didn't just teach. Jesus became a sacrifice to pay a penalty for our sins. Jesus didn't just express love. He gave his life. He gave his whole life, all of his being, so that he would experience the death, the separation, the pain, the wrath of God, and you and I could walk into the presence of God forgiven and redeemed. Jesus, see, he died. God sent his son into the world, and he died that any who would believe in him, they would not perish, you see. But God would move them from death to life. They would have eternal life. Friends, that's it. That's the core of the mission of Jesus. That's the, that's the, the core of the gospel. That's the core of Christianity. Love wins in Jesus. Jesus helps Nicodemus understand a little bit more. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Listen, God is not an angry lightning bolt tossing hothead uh, just up on Mount Zion throwing down wrath on everybody. He could have done that. He could have sent his son into the world to zap it. I mean, just zap it. Done with that. But he didn't do that. God sent his son into the world to save the world. To save the world. You know, God just isn't like that. You heard of cancel culture, you know? Um, it's out there right now. Some people, like, uh, someone says the wrong thing, they say they have the wrong opinion, all of a sudden, you're canceled, right? You, no more Twitter for you, no more Instagram stories, you're out. And there's no restitution, there's no chance of, of no second chance, no mercy. God isn't, God isn't like that. God isn't like that. He sent his son to save. But here's the part we don't like. Verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. This is the final word. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds we're evil. We don't like that. There's a sickness in the world that leads to death, and it even has penetrated our own heart. It's running through our own bloodstream. We don't like to talk about that, but it's there. Jesus is the cure. He's the cure. How can a, a loving God so love the world he gave his son. How can a loving God ever send anyone to hell? How can a loving God ever, ever be separated? Doesn't John 3.16 mean that love wins for all? Listen, God's love is an escape. It's a cure. It's, it's a way out of death and a way into life. That's what, that's what the love of God is. We don't like that part, that we're already stuck in death, that the poison is already set. We don't like to look at ourselves that way, but when we're honest with ourselves, we know it's true. There's a sickness in the world that leads to death, and it's running right through our own hearts. And friends, we say we don't want a God like that. We don't want a God. We want a God who's all loving, who's all tolerant. 
But listen, God moves against unrighteousness. God's wrath is part of his love. Let me explain that. If you love somebody, anybody who loves somebody, if you love them with your whole heart, you're going, at some point you're going to feel anger. Against what? You're going to feel anger if that person is getting hurt or if something is, some force is acting against that person you love to destroy them. You're going to be mad at that, that force that's trying to take that person's life away. You're going to be angry even if that force that's eroding their life is themselves. You get that? God's wrath will always move against what destroys his children. Becky Pippert, she wrote some years ago, God's wrath is not a cranky explosion, but his settled opposition to the cancer which is eating out the insides of the human race he loves. God's wrath is not some explosion of anger. It is a settled opposition to the sin that rots and destroys. And he will never change. He will never stop pushing against it. And you and I, we need to decide, do we want to be part of the wrath or part of the love? Do we want to be part of the cancer or part of the cure? Because hell, hell, Hell is our firm resolve to close our hearts to God, to walk away from Him forever. Hell is our firm and steady resolve to remain outside of God's love and to participate in our selfish and self-destructive cancer. And that state of separation from God, well, it can become permanent, you see. That decision does not mean that God's love is deficient. God's love is not deficient. That's what Jesus was telling Nicodemus. He says the darkness is already set in. The poison's already in the bloodstream. And you can choose the darkness, Nicodemus, or you could have new life right now. You could be born again right now in me and in the victories that I am winning. You can choose the darkness but you can choose the light because God is love. I kind of relate it to what we're experiencing right now with, with COVID-19, right? See, see I, see, I would like you more. I'd like you a lot more if you would tell me that COVID-19 is not a really big deal and that I don't have to change my life. I can go back to my normal life. Like, if you told me that, they're like, you're my best friend. You know, I really like you. I like being around you. I feel good, right? But is that love? No, love tells the truth. Love names the sickness. And then love moves to create the cure. Love sends God's Son into the world to bring the light. Love sends Jesus into the world. And Jesus, God's Son, died. He died on the cross. He died on the cross to become the cure for the sin and the trespass, all of the sickness that compels us toward death. Jesus died to take all of that on himself so that you and I could be saved. Jesus 
love sends God's Son into the world, and God's Son died. And the Father experienced the death. You see, Jesus went into hell. He went into separation from God. He went into darkness, and the Father felt it. And together, they, God experienced death so that you and I could know eternal life. That's love. Isn't that love? And God, see, he doesn't force his plan of salvation over every soul automatically. He says, maybe there's some people that don't want to be with God. Maybe there's some people that don't want to be in the light. I'm not going to force myself. I'm not going to overpower you with my, uh, with my authority and force you to love me. No, you can say no to God's love. God says, I'll wait and I'll watch and I'll offer and I'll stand at the door and you either open it or you close it. Keep it closed. Forever. Right now, this very moment, it's time for you to open the door and let Jesus in. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You see, just like Jesus said to Nicodemus, the darkness is in, the poison is in the bloodstream, but you can turn and you can have new life. You need to be born again of the Spirit of God, death to death and the beginning of eternal life in me, Jesus. Just as Jesus said that to Nicodemus, Jesus said the same thing in Revelation and he says the same thing to you and I right now. He says, look, I'm right here. I'm at the door and I'm not going to kick it down. I'm not going to burst my way into your life, but you know I'm here. And if you open the door, I'll come in. I'll come into your life. You can keep the door closed. But if you want the cure, if you want forgiveness, if you want the peace, if you want the joy, if you want the righteousness, all that I have won for you by my death and my resurrection, if you want these things, if you want me, if you want God in your life, just open the door. Just open the door. And I'll come in. And I'll be with you. And nothing will be the same. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I encourage you, encourage you right where you are to follow me in prayer and make this your prayer, the words of your heart, the words of your lips to Jesus. Whether it be the very uh, time that you've opened, you, you've opened your heart to Jesus, you've tried to open your heart every day of your life, or whether this is the very first time that you're willing to accept the presence of Jesus Christ in your own heart, I encourage you to pray along with me. Wherever you are, aloud or silent, pray along with me. Close your eyes, every heart, Let's open our souls to Jesus.
close your eyes, bow your heads. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, I hear you at the door. I open my heart to you. Come into my life, I pray. Forgive me my sins. Guide me out of darkness. Show me your light. Thank you for giving your life on the cross. Now I give you mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.